looking for the most fun you've ever had watching a game show? Well, come on in. We've got five wonderful stars. Vicki Lawrence. Contestants, Brett Wickham and Susan Wright. And the guy that makes it all happen, our host, Michael Berger. All here on Match Game. Match game. I'm Michael Berger. Well, Coolio came out with such an attitude, man. You kind of had that. You got us all in the mood there. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh! Look at this. This is the current CD. This is the current CD uh -huh. signed to you or to? Uh... Actually, don't tell Garrett, but I think I'm going to give it to him for a present. Oh, a little present, all right? Yeah. D Garrett wow. doesn't. You <laughs> he watches the show. Garrett doesn't watch the show. Rest in peace, Coolio and Judy Tenuta. This is. It was a thing on TV. Before I change my mind, I give you Super Train. <laughs> Episode 313, Submission 319 The Brady Brides. The Brady Brides aired on NBC from February 6, 1981 to April 17, 1981. For ten episodes, the first three of which were later edited into a TV movie as originally intended. Now, normally, we would wait until a little bit later to get into the crux of the plot of the series. But this being a show created by Sherwood Schwartz and his son Lloyd Schwartz, the main bullet points are spelled out with the theme music. So, ladies, please. It's a new life for two girls named Brady who have left the bunch to make it on their own. Jan fell in love with a man named Philip. The nicest guy she knows. In the meantime, along came Wally. He's different than Philip every way. Soon the girl a very special day a house too expensive for each couple the only way to buy what they decide is to share the cost by moving in together that's the way that they became the brady bride the brady bride the brady So you all know the story of a lovely lady and her three very lovely girls. And, of course, the story of a man named Brady with three boys of his own. And the fact that one day in the late 1960s, 
they all came together and formed a family. That was, if I'm being completely honest, from a rating standpoint, it was mid. But families loved it. And Paramount gave them five seasons. And then, well, let me take you back a bit. Because when we talked about Star Trek, the animated series, we dwelled on how when Star Trek, the original series, left NBC, they quickly shopped it into syndication. The same deal was made for the Brady Bunch. And something happened. It became a hit. Wow. Yeah, it turned from a modest network TV show into this syndicated must-see television legend. So to shore up a little bit more sales, Sherwood Schwartz and his son Lloyd, well, they decided to reunite the Bradys in a way never seen before. On the Donnie and Marie show. After the Donnie and Marie show, the network loved it so much that they decided to give the Brady Bunch their own variety show. And everybody signed on board, except for one notable exception. But we're not here to talk about Jerry Reichel. That's another episode. But Sherwin and Lloyd Schwartz never stopped shopping the Bradys around. And in 1980, they arrived at NBC with a pitch to Fred Silverman. Drawing from the popularity of the show in syndication, Sherwood and Lloyd pitched to Fred Silverman another reunion, this time with all of the original cast, except for Robbie Rist, and people who grew up watching the original Brady Bunch would draw in with their kids who have grown up on the syndicated package. So they got the entire bunch back together for literally the mother of all weddings. I mean, this wedding was going to make Mike and Carol's soiree look tame by comparison. All of this is fleshed out in what was to be a TV movie. A run-of-the-mill, regular TV movie. And in the TV movie, Marsha Brady and Jan Brady, of course, played by the lovely and talented Maureen McCormick and Eve Plum, were going to have boyfriends, through one way or another, get married, and find a house that was way out of their budget. Because the 80s. They get the idea to split the cost in fourzies and move in together. And, in true Brady Bunch fashion, hilarity ensues. They showed the original cut of the movie to a test audience, and they didn't just like it, they loved it. To the point where Fred Silverman 
decided to get a jump start on the production of the spinoff and split the movie into three episodes. These would be the first three episodes of the series. The kids are going to love it. It was a good idea. But then they decided to rest a week and get the proper series on television that following week. That's where the wheels came off. But before we get to the why of it all, let's get to the who of it all. Of course, we mentioned Sherwood Schwartz and Lloyd Schwartz. They were the two creators of the show. Uh, Sherwood Schwartz uh, created the original characters and brought his son Lloyd Schwartz into the fold, want to say midway through the run of the original Brady Bunch. And then there are the castmates. Of course, you know, Marsha and Jan. Marsha played by Maureen McCormick and Jan played by Eve Plum. They would reprise their roles, as they did so many years ago, that we would find that Jan was married to Philip, who has been a long-time boyfriend, and they sort of connect on an intellectual and spiritual level. Yeah, he's like a preppy guy, right? He is a professor at a junior college. He is a chemistry professor at a junior okay. college. At a junior college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Junior college. Making that chemistry big bucks in 1981. Yep. And because, hey, it was the 80s, and the 80s needed scientists to do all the sciencing. Philip was played by Ron Coleman, who went on to become a that guy from that thing. But okay, playing Marsha's husband in this show. Playing Marsha's husband in this show, Wally Logan? Jerry Hauser. That's right, Jerry Hauser. Who became a that voice from that thing. That's right. But you know what, guys? This is not going to be the last time this year we're going to be talking about Jerry Hauser. Because guess what? He was in the premiere episode of the McLean Stevenson Show. You know what? It has been too long since we've talked about McLean Stevenson on this show. No, it hasn't. No, no. I agree with Greg. We can hold off a little bit longer. We already know that Jan and Philip have this spiritual, intellectual, romantic relationship. And they're cute together. Wally meets Marsha at lunch because they work in the same building. Wally works at a toy company while Marsha is a fashion designer. It's a weird combination. Yeah. It gets weirder. So, Wally meets Marsha over lunch. Marsha talks about the problem she had with Jan marrying Philip because, uh, as we talked about in the movie, or as we are going to talk about, Jan is about to get married before her older sister. So, Wally has the idea to get married to Marsha. Except for one thing. Technically, they just met. And this is way before the age of Love is Blind. 
or Joe Millionaire. Or that show with the masks that aired on Fox with Monica Lewinsky. I forget what it was called. Oh, wait, I do vaguely remember this. Oh, Mr. Personality, right? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, God. I literally forgot that existed. Yeah, uh, folks, this is before Fox decided to commodify dating strangers. Hold on a second. It's time once again to play another game of Is It On Tubi? Is it on Tubi? Is it on Tubi? Is it on Tubi? Well, Greg's gonna look it up and see if it was on Tubi. Okay, hold on a second. Mr. Personnel. No, it's not on Tubi. Oh. Not on Tubi. Joe Millionaire is on Tubi, and that's not on Tubi. BS. Hey, guys. What? Do we need a name for that segment? Oh, it's Is It On Tubi? Is It On Tubi? No, even simpler than that. Tubi or not Tubi? That is the question. Apparently it's not Tubi. So after a week-long fling, let's call it what it is, it was a fling, it got hot and heavy, Marsha and Wally decide, yeah, you know what? Marriage is not a bad idea. So, they spring the news to Mama and Papa Brady, with uh, Robert Reed and Florence Henderson reprising their roles, of course. Robert Reed looking more and more like Alex Trebek in his early days. Yes, he does. With that, what do you call that? That fro and that That, With that fro and that mustache. Oh, yeah. They're just like, we're really going to do this, right? Yep, we're really going to do this. And in comes Jan like, wait a minute, we can have the weddings at the same day. At the same place. This place. Our house. Everybody's like, sure, fine, whatever. So they get the whole bunch back together. Greg, who is now a resident, played by Barry Williams. Peter, who is an officer in the Air Force, played by Chris Knight. Bobby, who is in college, played by Mike Lookinland. And Cindy, who just got dropped off at college, played by Susan Olsen. The whole gang's back together. Oh, yeah. I How can I forget this? How can I forget? She's literally the glue that kept the bunch together low these many years. And Ann B. Davis is Alice. Oh, yeah. Amy Davis is Alice. She's all up in this too. And now you know what happened in the movie slash first three episodes. And if that were the story, we wouldn't be here. Well, actually, we would be here, but we'd be talking up a different tack here. But they decided to make a full series out of those three episodes that were edited from the movie that people watched and enjoyed. And they all aired in sweeps. Well, after a week to rest on their laurels, the Logans and the Covingtons are back at it, looking for a place to live. They can't live in Marsha's apartment, or Jan's, or Wally's, 
or Phillips, and they can't live in the uh, split level, they need their own place. And Marsha was looking for a place for Jan, and Jan was looking for a place for Marsha, and they end up finding a place with each other. What? The four, the four of them, together. What? In one single house. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, by the way, we're going to get a workout with that clip this episode. Oh, Susan, get ready. This is going to be a chaotic episode for you. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the episodes. We already went over in brief the first three. Here's episode four Two couples, one house, in living together. Following their double wedding, sisters Jan and Marsha and their new husbands, Philip and Wally, look for places to live and find it's not so easy. The young couples are aided in their search for houses by the girl's mother, Carol Brady, who is now working as a real estate agent. As luck would have it, all four fall in love with the same house. They come up with an unusual way to solve their financial problems and beat the acute housing shortage all at the same time. Gaming the system, baby! Yeah! However, some of their new neighbors don't appreciate their offbeat lifestyle and call the police. And by some, we of course mean one. Ms. Fritzinger. And did we mention that there is a bit of uh, complication involving a whole lot of furniture? No. Because Marsha gets her furniture delivered. Then Jan gets her furniture delivered. Philip gets his furniture delivered. Wally gets his furniture delivered. Then the Covingtons get their furniture delivered. Then the Logans get their furniture delivered. And then the Bradys get their furniture delivered. So next thing you know, it looks like a rooms-to-go outlet for like five or ten minutes in that episode. And after an argument, they basically decide to solve this problem, I Love Lucy style, splitting the house in two. Until here comes Mitz Fritzinger again, wondering what in the world is going on. And by the way, a glass of milk and people drinking naked are involved. Ultimately, Wally sticks up for Philip. Jan sticks up for Marsha. Everybody is one big happy. And Mitz Fritzinger, who is, by the way, equal parts fuss budget and funny duddy, is surprisingly not amused. But this is the life he signed up for. Welcome to the show. By the way, Ms. Fritzinger, you're going to love this. She's played by Barbara Kaysen, who, if you're a big fan of Gary Shandling's It's Gary Shandling's Show... She played Gary Shandling's mother, Ruth. Oh. Yeah, we've talked about her in the past. Because not only was she on uh, Gary Shandling's show as Gary's mother, she was also on Carter Country. She played Cloris. She played Cloris Phoebus. Wow. But also we talked about her in the past uh, on Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. That's what I was waiting for. Thank you. 
uh, you guys talked about her a couple weeks ago, actually. She was in an episode of Half Nelson. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's where we talked about her. Yeah. But also taking a look at her uh, IMDb, we're going to talk about her in early March because she was on an episode of Madam's Place. You're so looking forward to that, aren't you? This one's a winner. I hear Greg's frustration in the background. This, I promise, Greg, promise, is better than You Don't Know Jack and is better than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. I know that's not a very high bar, but it's still a bar nonetheless. It's still a bar? It's a very, 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 very low bar, but it's still a bar, yes. Oh, and by the way, we we have two more names in this episode. Playing the two movers that move all of the furniture into the house. One is played by Bert Rosario. We talked about him on AKA Pablo. Among other things. The other is played by Stuart Pinkin. Earl Sinclair on Dinosaurs. Yeah, and not also, also yeah, not necessarily the news. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Yeah, and also uh, the stuffy old boss in the sequel to the only '80s movie that counts, Mannequin. I only say this because it gives me an excuse to bring up Christy Swanson. Wait, no, she was in Mannequin too. Exactly, he was in the sequel. Oh, Mannequin was in the sequel. Oh God, no. <laughs> Screw that. I don't Screw acknowledge that, in... that exists. As well, you should not. Episode two or five, whichever you're looking at. Gorilla of My Dreams. There was another show that had that episode title, Gorilla My Dreams. That was, uh, I remember it was uh, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Was it that? Okay. I think so. I'm on the case. Okay, well, sharing a house isn't easy as the young couples find out. Often their lifestyles clash. Toy salesman Wally enjoys bringing his products home, such as a gigantic gorilla that plagues Philip, an often stodgy academic type. Wally makes friends with Harry, a kid from the other side of the tracks. A robber finds it isn't easy burglarizing the new household, and Jan and Marsha get a lesson in self-defense from their mother, Carol. And it wasn't on Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Chico. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it was Marblehead Manor. Oh, my mistake. Great uh, era, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, this is the first of many appearances of young Harry, the streetwise scamp from across the tracks. Because if you're a sitcom in the early 80s on NBC, you know what you're getting? A sassy black kid. Let's replicate that different strokes magic. Only this time, Harry is played by a young man by the name of Kellen Love, who wasn't really on much between this and the time he decided to uh, retire from the business. I see one role in Hill Street Blues, one role in the A-Team, one role on Friars Place... And then he voiced three different characters on three different episodes of Foofer, 
He was also in three different episodes of CBS Story Break. I only say this because I love CBS Story Break. He's going to be a bit of a troublemaker as the series goes on. Playing the role of Professor Thompson, one of Philip's colleagues, is Byron Morrow. Greg, he played Admiral Comac on several episodes of... Star Trek, the original series. Oh, wow. And he played Feral on previous entry, Hall of Fame entry, Super Train. Oh, nice. And in the role of the burglar is Randy Stump, who wasn't much of anything. I mean, he was a that guy from that thing. His most notable work was as Andy in the original cult classic film, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Next episode, The Newlywed Game. Three guesses what game show this involves. Bullseye. I was expecting somebody to say Family Feud. Jan and Marsha and their new husbands, Philip and Wally, wind up as contestants on TV's The Newlywed Game after the host of the show has trouble with his car in front of their house and asks to use their phone. When Bob Eubank suggests the young couple's appear as contestants on his show, Marsha, Jan, and Wally become excited about the prospects of winning lots of prizes. Philip, however, takes a dire view of the situation, feeling he'll make a fool of himself on national television. Syndicated national television, because this is 1980. But decides to go along with it when he realizes he could win a new aquarium for his guppies. Aww. On the show, Bob Eubanks does what Bob Eubanks does. He asks the wife's questions about their husbands while the mates are backstage, then reverses the situation. The answers turn out to be both amusing and embarrassing. And one couple, well, I hope they came up for air. Let's just say that. Because they spend the entire show... In the throes of passion, let's just say. They are Wayne Anderson and his wife, Dorothea Anderson. And if I'm not mistaken, Wayne Anderson was an officer in the Air Force who just got back from overseas. Dorothea Anderson was played by Renee Jones, who played Lieutenant Aquiel Inari in a 1993 episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And she was also on an episode of Marblehead Manor. More specifically, I led three wives. Jerry was apparently uh, pretending to be married to three women. And her husband, Wayne Anderson, was played by Leonard Lightfoot, who would go on to star in season one of Silver Spoons. He was the guy whose character was written out as Franklin Seals's uh, Dexter Steppens was written in. And of course, Johnny Jacobs plays himself, and Bob Eubanks also plays himself. Episode, the next one. The Mom Who Came to Dinner. Pandemonium results when Carol Brady temporarily moves in with her newly wedded daughters and their husbands. Mama Brady's first night in her daughter's house turns into a harrowing experience for everyone as sleeping arrangements are stretched to the limit. So, here's the situation. Carol volunteers 
to sleep on a cot in the living room. Jan, because she's Jan, is going to have none of it and volunteers Philip to sleep on the cot while Carol sleeps with Jan. Marcia and Wally are in the other room getting ready to either do it or ignore doing it. When Marcia brings up that if Wally was any sort of husband, he would have volunteered instead of Philip. So he goes and takes the cot in the living room. All of this is happening while Philip is rewiring the house to automatize everything. Talking about temperatures and instant access to medical, fire, and police. Apparently Willowbrook was not the neighborhood it was when the Bradys were kids. And of course, Harry comes in at 2 in the morning because... He was left alone with his mother, and he wanted a place to stay for the night. So he stays with the Logans and the Covingtons, and Mama Brady. Carol decides to take the cot, the husbands decide to take one room, and the wives take another room, and Harry sleeps with Philip and Wally. It gets kind of weird until somebody flips on the uh, automation and the whole house goes haywire, bringing in a police officer, the same one who brought Harry to the house before, firefighters, and two paramedics to cart off Carol Brady in the cot, just as she was getting to sleep. Playing the policeman is Donovan Womack, who looks like the kind of archetypes would play a policeman, but that's only because he played a haunted house butler in Secret Agent 00 Soul with Billy D. Williams. But aside from that, he hasn't done much. Playing the role of a fireman, though, Joe Estevez. Greg, I believe you know who Joe Estevez is. Yeah, he's the brother of Morton Sheen, obviously. Mm -hmm. Which would make him the uncle of Charlie and Emilio. Yes. And, of course, Joe Estevez was in that classic from the 10th season of Mystery Science Theater 3000, Soul Taker. Nice. Our next bit of insanity, The Siege. Wally's failure to pay a back parking ticket spells trouble for him and the rest of the family when the FBI surrounds their house. Uh-oh. 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 Wally panics when a policeman comes to the house to ask him some questions. He decides to impersonate his brother-in-law, Philip Covington III, in order to throw the officer off. Actually, the officer, an FBI agent, has come to discuss government funds Philip is seeking for a project at school. Oh, boy. When family members go along with Wally's hoax, the FBI thinks Philip and his wife are in danger and decide to take action. Oh, jeez. And in the role of Inspector Rankin, Joseph Campanella. The Joseph Campanella from One Day at a Time, who played Ed Cooper, a.k.a. Bonnie Franklin's 
ex-husband, if my memory serves me correctly. And if it doesn't, I'm sure somebody will tell me. And playing the other inspector is Patrick Cronin, who played Dr. Rimlin in Rocky V. Now, the next episode is actually... Oh, jeez. You look at the... Oh, Okay, the next episode is called Cool Hand Phil. It's on YouTube, and if you watch it, you're going to take one look at it and say, damn these white people. Because, okay, the plot line is this. Philip wants to change his personality after he pulls absolute dead last in a school-wide poll of who the most popular teacher is. A stodgy teacher comes in dead last in a student poll. Who'd have thought? So, Wally volunteers himself to teach him how to be happy-go-lucky. How to be a good friend. How to be a little bit loose. In comes Harry, teaching Philip how to walk. And, of course, Philip naturally walks like a Sasquatch. He sees Harry walking, and he does this sort of thing, you know? He does the whole uh, exaggerated arm movements, like, hey, yo, and what's up, and all that stuff. And all of this is happening while Jan is pitching an architect project, because Jan's an architect now. She's pitching an architect project. For a summer home for a very rich client, Mrs. Richardson. And all this comes to a head when her pitch is disrupted by a football. What is with the Bradys and football? 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, hey, hey. Hey, you guys. Oh, my no! Marcia, sorry. You okay? You hurt. I'm really sorry. Why? I mean... Come on. Anywho, this gets into a gigantic argument, and the husbands are not speaking to each other, the wives are not speaking to each other. Alice has to come in and act as mediator to bring Marsha and Jan back together. Meanwhile, Wally and Philip, they don't have Alice, but they do have a bar, and the bar does have a bar fly a drunkard by the name of Duke the Drunk. He brings his friends over to the house as Marsha and Jan basically redo the whole pitch of their summer home. Did we mention that their friends are all barflies at a local honky-tonk? Because that becomes important because the pitch becomes one gigantic hoedown. Oh, man. My explanation cannot do justice. This has to be seen to be believed. Turns out, Mrs. Richardson loves the idea? What? And in true Brady Bunch fashion, the whole thing is settled in the half hour. Oh, God, this show has names. Uh, Playing Duke the Drunk, Alan Sues. Yes, that Alan Sues from Laughing and the Twilight Zone. So, yeah. Playing Mrs. Richardson, a slightly older Gloria Henry. And if that name sounds familiar, she played Alice Mitchell on Dennis the Menace. 
the original series with Jay North. And the bartender named Sunshine, who's serving Duke the Drunk, is played by Bonnie Ebsen, who, fun fact, is the daughter of Bunny Ebsen. That's what I figured. And the final episode, A Pretty Boy is Like a Melody. Marsha has designed some clothing for her dress business and decides to have a fashion show, but when her professional models go on strike, she cons her husband Wally and her brother-in-law Philip into modeling. It all culminates in a sort of scene where Philip and Wally are getting into a fight backstage, and Philip's like, I'm not going out there dressed like that. And Wally's like, of course not. You're going out dressed like this. Removes the robe, pushes him on stage. And of course, Philip being Philip, he's looking for something to cover himself with. And uh, hilarity ensues. What can we say? But we have a big name in this episode. Playing himself is a man by the name of Richard Selzer. That name does not sound notable, does it? What if I told you that he spent his entire career by another name? Mr. Blackwell. Oh, God. Yep. That guy. Talk about somebody even more terrible than Yuri Geller. <laughs> that was his one thing every year. I, I know. Think... I, I get it. I get it. Like, what did he do? Nothing. Pretty much. Yeah, you're not wrong. And that was pretty much the show. It was basically the Brady Bunch meets the odd couple with a sassy black friend a la different strokes. And it aired on Fridays. And now, if you've seen the 13-week theater episode, they make a really good point. Pabst and Jenis makes a really good point about people tuning out when the show went to series as opposed to the movie split into thirds because it was sort of like a different show. It didn't fit into the Brady Bunch mold. It was basically its own animal, and people tuned in for Marsha and Jan and the rest of the Bradys. Philip and Wally were basically an afterthought, and they were basically trying desperately to shoehorn the entire family with Philip and Wally into the whole premise. And that is a perfectly valid way of seeing things. But I'm not the kind of person who will take a take from a respected YouTuber and call it a day. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Do you know what the Brady Brides was up with and what it was up against? No. What was it? Okay, so it led out of Harper Valley PTA, and in that hour on ABC was Benson and I'm a Big Girl Now, and on CBS, The Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah, that'll do it. On the strength of the movie split into three different episodes, it probably would have stood a chance somewhere else, anywhere else. But they kept the time slot, and 
the Brady Brides kept getting beaten by the Incredible Hulk. Not so much I'm a big girl now. I imagine that I'm a big girl now and the Brady Brides were fighting over what was left of the audience cast aside by the Incredible Hulk. At the end of April, NBC decided, you know, I think we're happy with the 10 episodes that aired. I think we're good. We're just going to go ahead and call it. But that wasn't the only thing that ended because two months later, and I screen the announcement because this was Fred Silverman's last best hope for a hit on NBC, any hit on NBC. But remember, he still had a different strokes in the facts of life, right? But he wanted something, you know, to build upon that. Well, this from uh, the Washington Post and Tom Shales. One of the first things incoming RCA Chairman Thornton Bradshaw will do when he takes office will be to announce Fred Silverman's successor. Silverman will be leaving 18 months before his contract expires in December 1982. The contract is said to call for a salary of $1 million a year. The terms of the settlement are not known. The NBC television network showed a profit of only $10 million last year, down from $125 million in 1977, the year before Silverman arrived. Silverman, who had a reputation as a programming wizard, was lured to NBC three years ago to pull the network from third to first in the primetime ratings. Today, however... NBC is as deeply mired in third place as ever. Silverman left for a Hawaiian vacation on June 11th. He's not expected back until July 6th. However, says one source, Silverman's gone. He'll never come back as NBC president. Of course, the network denied it at the time, but the writing was on the wall. And Grant Tinker and later Brandon Tartikoff stepped up to the plate and the rest is TV history. But I'm looking at the shows because all of the episodes were actually released on DVD as part of a 2019 full episode package. Which included all of the Brady Bunch, all of the movies... All of the Brady Brides, all of the Bradys, all of the Brady Kids, the three 90s releases, including Made for Video, The Brady Bunch Goes to Washington, with Blue Turbo Ranger Blake Foster as Peter. Oh, he was in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That is actually part of the package, so you can get... All of the episodes, six, seven, three, ten, however many episodes of this show there are, you can get all of them, plus the edited down version of the movie on that box set. Or if you can't be bothered with things like spending money, you can stream almost the entire series right now for free on YouTube unofficially. So thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I think the Brady Brides... Uh, it's fine as a TV movie, but as a regular series, do you really want to watch it? No. Yeah, I mean, I looked at some of the episodes. It wasn't bad. 
I no, mean, it wasn't Mar- that terrible. Yeah, uh, Marsha was good. Jan was good. Philip was good. The writing was good. Wally was good. The whole production seems like it was a good fit for television. And if it was any other show not named The Brady Bunch, it probably would have stood a chance. I'm looking at Wally and Phillips' dynamic, and you know what I see? Leonard Hofstetter and Sheldon Cooper. Yeah, I can see that. Everybody had chemistry. Everybody played off each other so well. It almost felt... It didn't feel as stilted as it was. Although, let's be honest, it was a sitcom in the early 80s. It was pretty darn hokey. But it wasn't forced. I mean, it wasn't the Brady Bunch, but it wasn't a bad TV show. If it was scheduled for another time somewhere else instead of, hey, let's put it on Fridays where the Brady Bunch was. Yeah, you needed to think a little bit outside the box on that. Just a little bit. But this wouldn't be the last that we heard of Marsha or Jan or Wally or Philip or Alice or Carol. But that is another thing on TV for another time. Yeah. (sighs) What else is there to say? The Brady Bunch, legendary television. The Brady Brides, it was just a thing on TV. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign these divorce papers, spoiler alert, and tell you to go over to ItWasAThingOnTV.com where we have a whole plethora, over 400 episodes, minisodes, and live watches waiting for you there. And, of course, we have links to all of our socials, and it was a thing on TV, except for Facebook, who was apparently run by Cousin Oliver. So we get It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And if you're on YouTube, please don't forget, like, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only because positive vibes only. Don't forget to hit the notification bell. To stay up to date on all of our future entries. Like the one we have planned for Thursday. Imagine you are an engineer who created artificial life forms. Your artificial life forms are used for an amusement park. And the person who used the artificial life forms for the amusement park is kind of sort of feeling himself for the whole world domination game. That was the story of a TV show that went on to bigger and better things based on a movie that also went on to bigger and better things. It is the forgotten TV spinoff of a cult classic movie, and it's coming up this Thursday right here on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! I certainly am not overreacting. What the devil do you think happened to Bobby when they added Cousin Oliver to the Brady Bunch? Oliver, did you break this vase? No, the floor did. Oh, <laughs> he's so cute!
Hey, everybody, I... Bobby, you get back in the garage! Ow! Ah! Ah! Ow! 